0: Today isn't so much a sermon as I would like, I feel like the Lord wants to just invite everybody in the room to go deeper with him today. Um, I just feel like he wants to invite us into a deeper level of encounters with him. Um, And really that is what today is about. It's just about an invitation to encounter God. Um, Whether you've encountered him before, whether you haven't, or whether you have to various degrees. But there's always more of him. That's what's so good about him. And there's always more to discover, and it always goes beyond our understanding. And if we're just open to the fact that it will be beyond our understanding, then there's always going to be more than we can experience. And that's just how he works. Um, So really, that's just what I wanted to talk about today. But I might just share a quick testimony first, if that's okay. I'm aware that I was thinking about this the other day. Probably, if you've seen me here before, I probably talked about healing. That's pretty much the only thing I ever say. But um, I'm not going to talk about healing today, but I do want to share a testimony just because it's really good. And even though I'm not talking about healing, God is still healing. Um, So this was um, a, there's some good friends of ours. Um, They're part of a church in Essex and Um, We went there earlier on last year, and I was speaking. And um, the day before I was due to speak, um, the Lord told me that there was going to be an elderly lady at the back right of the church with osteoporosis. And if I remember correctly, I think he even showed me the particular parts of her spine that were the worst. Um, So that next day, I um, I shared that word of knowledge, and then this hand started waving at the back. Um, and I peeped. she kind of peeped around and there was this elderly lady. And I just said to her, the Lord's healing you right now. I don't, nobody needs to pray for you. He's healing you right now. He's doing it right now. She starts crying. God starts hitting her really hard. She's just really getting touched by God. And I just kind of let that carry on. And then I carried on with the rest of the day. Um, and then I heard that the next day she walked without her frame or her sticks for the first time. Um, and then then I heard that um, uh, a week or so later I think I heard that she still hadn't used them at all for the first time in years um, and basically then when we went back to see our friends and we went back to the, that church just before Christmas and actually at the beginning during the worship at one point that she popped into my head and I was like I wonder, why, I wonder how she is uh, but then I kind of just you know, forgot about it and then this lady comes up to me at the end. She's like, I'm, I'm the lady. I was like, oh, hi. I was like, you seem to be doing well. Because she's just walked up to me absolutely fine. And she said, yeah, I completely stopped using all my medication. I'm completely free, completely walking normally. Um, and then she said, but it gets better. She goes, recently I went to the doctor. And it's the specialist doctor. And he's looking at a scan of my bones on the screen. And he's going, this is impossible this this is impossible <laughs> i i didn't even know what osteoporosis was when i when i said that i knew it was something to do with bones but um the medical people if i'm wrong sorry but i know it's something to do with holes in the bones is that right it's like big sorry thinning of the bones and he basically just said this is impossible your bones are completely normal and basically they'd completely restored to how they and he showed her the screen he goes this is impossible she goes no it's jesus <laughs> oh, you, really. so so i wanted to talk about encounters a little bit um which it's a funny word because it's one of those words that it, if you're around here for a while you might hear people use that word from time to time and if we're not careful it can be one of those kind of christianese words that kind of takes on this weird level of meaning and people just think it's a bit weird you don't really know what it is but essentially the word obviously encounter is really just about a meeting it's just about two people or two persons or two beings coming into close contact and that's really what it is about and in terms of god and how we relate to him it's a moment of intimacy and um just wanted to i just wanted to demystify the word a little bit really because it's 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 no there's nothing really extra to it than that but for my life, um, the way I kind of think about it is, you know, today we've been having an amazing time in worship, and we've been, hopefully, you've been enjoying and experiencing the presence of God, and I've been enjoying and experiencing the presence of God, and I feel very happy about that. Um, but um, I, for me, I would class an encounter as something that is an, an extraordinary encounter, an extraordinary meeting with God, or a life-changing meeting with God. And um, I wanted to share a, in a little bit a story of something that I would say completely changed our life as a family. And I've not actually shared this story before because it's something that I regarded it as really personal between us and God. And I, I didn't feel like I should share it. It's an intimate thing. And and I felt and there were lots of times where I nearly shared it in the past and, and I didn't. And um, And then I felt like God was saying that actually today was a good day to share it. And, um, and also, I read the Bible and I realized he likes to talk about those stories quite a lot, doesn't he? So, um, But um, whatever you believe about the Christian, about Christianity, once you come to a point in your life where you think, okay, this is actually about relationship, it's not about following rules, it's not about rituals or routines, it's not about doing things a certain way. Once you realize it's about relationship, moments of intimacy have to be central to that because by definition if moments of intimacy aren't central to a relationship then that relationship gets gets dysfunctional um, I'm just going to quickly uh, read from Proverbs 24 and I just find this quite a useful uh, reference point for encounters and how, how kind of God views them and how important they are so so in Proverbs 24 verse 3 Three to four. It says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So, what's it saying? Well, it's not a little message for people in the construction industry. It's not giving them advice. It's actually talking about your life. And if you look at all the verses preceding it and all the ones following it, they're all about talking about how to live your life and wisdom for your life. And actually that metaphor of the house, as we know, as you probably know, Jesus used as well. So what's it saying? There's three things going on here. There's wisdom, there's understanding, and there's knowledge. And... I kind of look at this scripture and I kind of think to myself, it really it's a question of what kind of Christian do you want to be? What do you want your life to look like with God? Because you were created, the whole point of life is relationship. The whole point that he went to the trouble to create everything that he did is relationship. That is, that is the single one thing that it comes down to. And the question is here, what kind of relationship do we want? What kind of Christian life do we want? And so by wisdom it says the house, house is built. So what does that mean? For me, that means I used to think that wisdom was about making perfect decisions all the time, or making really, really good decisions all the time. And actually over the years, as I've made more and more bad decisions, um, I've realized that yes, that's that's probably part of it. But actually it's probably a lot simpler than that. I think it really comes down to just honoring the Lord in the decisions that you do make. And you don't have to make perfect decisions, but when you honor the Lord in the decisions that you do make, he, look, he actually takes care of you, and a lot of the times things work out and i 've kind of realized that when i 've made some real stinkers over the years, but what I have done, what I have always tried to do is i 've tried to honor the Lord in those decisions and i 've tried to put him first i 've tried to follow him i 've tried to honor him in those decisions, and then through doing that, a lot of the times sometimes it took a while for that to, for it to get there, but he He made the bad decisions, the wrong decisions, right decisions, if you see what I mean. So in a way, that's kind of like what I see as the step one of of the foundation. And then it says, so that's wisdom. The next one is understanding. So it says by understanding, it is established. And really, I think this is when it's kind of less day-to-day. Making decisions. It's more about like positioning your life, somebody positioning their life around God, positioning their life around following Him, seeking His plan for their life, seeking to understand what He wants for their life, seeking to understand His ways. Um, and that's when your life becomes more established rather than kind of day to day existence. But then there's knowledge. And it says, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And those, those riches sound really nice. I think. And so what are those riches? Well, in Ephesians, he actually describes us as um, the riches of his glorious inheritance. So when God's talking about true riches, he's he's talking about it within the context of relationship. He sees us as his great prize. So riches are talking about relationship. And that word knowledge there is actually the word yada in Hebrew which means nothing to do with intellectual knowledge at all, nothing to do with head knowledge. It's just about intimate knowing. It's about intimate knowing. It's about really knowing a person. And actually, it's the same word that's used um, when Adam and Eve conceived for the first time. The word yada is used. So that gives you an idea. So for me, I kind of think that when people talk about encounters, yes, it can sound weird. Yes, it can sound a bit crazy sometimes. And, And there's often by, very nat- by God, the very nature of God being who He is, we're going to hear stories or we're going to experience things that we don't understand. and actually, step one is, is kind of being okay with that and just being okay with the fact that it will be beyond our understanding. but I see it as the, the higher form of live, the highest form of Christian living is intimate relationship with Him. So one day I was praying and um, sorry about miss it. Um, I don't know if you've ever prayed, anybody here has ever prayed anything like this. But I just, I was at a time in my life where I just really wanted more of God, more of God. I just wanted so much more of him. And it's one of those things where the more you experience of God, the more you want of him. The more you see him, the more you want to see him. The more you feel his love, the more you want to feel his love. And at that time in my life, I was experiencing him move through me in lots of different ways. I was seeing lots of miracles and things like that. And but and I was really feeling more consistently in my life, I guess. I was feeling a closeness. But I prayed this prayer where I was just like, God, I just want you to be more real to me than anything else. I just want you to be so real to me. I want you to be more real to me than anything else. And what did I mean? Well... I had, some people will know, what, will know what this means and this will make some sense to them, but I think some people this might seem a little bit odd. But there had been times in my life where I could honestly say, and it sounds funny because obviously I, I could still see the things around me that were physically there, but there had been times in my life where the reality of his kingdom and the reality of heaven was more real to me than anything I could see around me. It was more real to me than anything I could see around me it was literally like I was suffused in heaven when I was walking around and once I'd experienced that I wanted that all the time I was like I just want that all the time so I prayed this prayer God I just want you to be more real to me than anything else and quick as a flash he replied to me straight away and he said I will be as real to you as you are to me I will be as real to you as you are to me what does he mean? Well, I'm going to quickly turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart or a sincere heart. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. And I'll stop there. See, if you really want to draw near, then you've got to be sincere. And I realized then that the Lord was teaching me about how to how I need to be really present. You know, so often we can get into these environments where we're crying out for more of God's presence and we're talking about how to cultivate His presence and host His presence. And I realized that Actually, it's very, it can be very easy to slip into familiar patterns of how we do things. And the irony is, when we spend a lot of our times looking for more of his presence, he actually released his presence 2,000 years ago, and he's actually wondering where our presence is. He was wondering when I was going to show up, when I I was really going to show up. It made me think, actually, maybe like, you know, God the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit have these conversations where they're like, you know, one day I was in Dave's room and he was really there. I mean, he was totally really there. He was right there. I was like, oh man, I just needed to completely rethink everything. And really, intimacy with him only happens when we are being completely ourselves. You know, we can't do it any other person's way. It's all right to... Um, to admire and respect what you see in somebody else and their relationship with God. But you can't try and replicate it in your own. You can only relate to him your way. You were made to relate to him in a completely unique way. And that is not inferior in any way to, to anybody else and how they relate to him. In fact, actually, the highest calling on your life is to find that. Is to find that way that you relate to him. And embrace it, embrace the uniqueness, even if it looks weird, even if it looks unusual, even if it looks boring, whatever it looks like, find it. You know, my journey, what I'm going to share to you t- today, really, a big part of it is actually learning, was about learning how to find my way, how to find my way to relate to him. If we really want the new wine, we got to, we, we really need the new wine skins, we just really need to think new. He just wants to break off old ways of thinking today. Father, thank you, Lord. I just break off old ways of thinking today in Jesus' name. Lord, I just release that in Jesus' name right now. That people are going to encounter you, Lord. Encounter you in a fresh way today, Father. In a fresh way, Lord. In your power, and your kingdom, and your glory. Thank you, Lord. When I think of... Um, when I, shortly after I became a Christian... I read the Bible straight through from beginning to end because I was just really aware that I'd filled my life with loads of rubbish and I actually really <laughs> needed to replace that quite quickly. And um, so, very quickly, just because he's near that end of the book, I discovered the stories of Moses and I just, I was so captivated with his stories of these just profound encounters with God that this man had. I mean, I was, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And, but for a long time, I think I probably read those stories as if they were kind of like just, I knew they were real, but for me, like fantasies, kind of pipe dreams, you know, it's, it's never going to happen. Actually, it's a different time. God kind of dealt with people a bit different back then, so it's different now. Um, but um, then I got to a point where actually I was, it, I guess it was I was getting more and more hungry about it, more and more hungry. Um, and I will just quickly touch on a passage. You don't have to turn there. But in one story, which kind of relates to what we were looking at a minute ago, is in Exodus, where in Exodus 20, um, through Moses, God gives the Ten Commandments. Now, just before that, God's actually set a perimeter for the other people of Israel. He's actually said to them, they they can't come past this point. He's actually done that to protect them. Because he says, if they they do try and break through and come to the Lord, um, no, he says, do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. Now, what's that about? It's not that God's, like, zapping people, going, pew, pew. It's not that. It's actually that they're, they're, there's holy ground there. It's holy ground. The person who created the heavens and the earth and the entire universe has actually descended in some kind of physical, tangible way on the earth. And the ground has been made holy. And actually, if your heart is not ca- cultivating a degree of holiness, and then you actually physically step into that, it will just kill you. Your body, you, you can't... Physically take it. And God put that boundary in there to protect them. But after the Ten Commandments, we see a real contrast between them and Moses and the life that he lived. He lived. So, and it says in uh, 20, verse 18 Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. I actually think that is a, a rare moment of honesty on behalf of the people of Israel there at that point, because they actually recognized their hearts weren't ready, and that they knew they actually were afraid, rather than having the, the holy fear. And it says, The people stood far off, while Moses drew near, to the thick darkness where god was so and it was because of his sincerity that moses was able to draw near in fact um god actually in another part speaks about moses himself and actually when two people are accusing moses he actually says he is faithful in all my house so he was saying god god was saying of moses that he is completely true and faithful to me and it's because of his true heart and the fact that he was just really real and himself with God that he was able to access him in that way so now i i used to read stories like that and i really just wanted my own experience of God like that and that's what i used to really really just i didn't i don't know if i even really prayed about it because i kind of thought It's not accessible for me. It's not available for me. What's the point of even praying about that? I almost wondered if it was even theologically okay. Um, I almost felt a bit bad, like having that desire. And um, one day I was reading a book and I came across a story that I would say changed things for me. It's this book, Face to Face with God by Bill Johnson. It's a very good book. Um, But there was one story in particular about Smith Wigglesworth that I read um, and it something ignited in my heart and it changed my life. And it's a story of when he was actually in New Zealand uh, touring around doing various, ministering at various churches. And it's a guy who was a local there, I think. And and this is his account. He says, There were 11 leading Christians in prayer with our brother at a special afternoon meeting. Each had taken a part. The evangelist then began to pray for the dominion. And as he continued, each, according to their measure of spirituality, got out. The power of God filled the room, and they could not remain in an atmosphere supercharged by the power of God. The author, on on hearing of this from one who was present, registered a vow that if the opportunity came, he, at any rate, would remain whoever else went out. During the stay... A special meeting was called to pray for the other towns in New Zealand yet to be visited. A like position to the other meeting now arose. Here was the opportunity, the challenge. The contest was on. A number prayed. Then the old saint began to lift up his voice. And strange as it may seem, the exodus began. A divine influence began to fill the place, the room became holy. The power of God began to feel like a heavy weight with set chin and a def- different, definite decision not to budge. The only other one now left in the room hung on and hung on until the pressure became too great and he could stay no longer. With the floodgates of his soul pouring out a stream of tears and with uncontrollable sobbing, he had to get out or die. And a man who knew God as few do was left alone immersed in an atmosphere that few men could breathe in. And I read that. And when I read that, I just saw Moses on Mount Sinai with God. And I just thought, this man, Smith Wigglesworth, he was an amazing man. By no means did I think that I was on a par with him or anything like that. He was an amazing man. But I just thought, here is somebody who, like 100 years ago, was experiencing God in that same kind of way. And since then, I've heard of many more stories like that. But it was really, at that point in my life, it was the first. And something switched on inside me. And I just thought, I, I, I've got to have this. I've, I've got to have this for myself. And like I say, I didn't even know what, about the theology of it, but I decided I was going to have it. So that week... And I, I'm terrible at fasting and praying because I have the kind of metabolism where if I don't eat after a couple of hours, I feel like I'm going to pass out or something. But I, and I probably just get pretty grumpy and I, my concentration goes, so it probably affected my work and everything. But I decided I was going to fast and pray that, that week. I think it was like for five days or something. And most of the time I just felt hungry, being completely honest. But um, on the last day, I had a dream that night. And in this dream... I, um, in this dream, I see Kate, my wife, and um, basically, to cut a long story short, before we got married, God spoke to me through Psalm 37, where it says about the desire of your heart, about how we were going to get married, so I knew when I saw Kate, it actually wasn't about Kate this time, it was about, she represented the desire of my heart, the thing that I was praying about, and in the dream, she runs down this little valley up to the other side to a house, and then... I hear a trumpet blast, this loud trumpet blast. And this huge golden number five comes over in the sky, floating like a big balloon, floating over my head, and it rapidly floats towards the house. So I ran after it. I go down the valley up to the other side. Kate comes out of the house. We're united, and then the house bursts into flames, and then I wake up. Now, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too sure what the house burning into flames was about, but... No one was hurt, so it's fine. Um, but, um, but at that time in my life, my kind of um, interpretation of dreams was kind of a little bit more at its, in its infancy, I suppose. But I, um, I understood that the Lord was saying that he, he, was, he was going to answer my prayer, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, it felt so clear to me that you're saying, I'm going to answer your prayer. And I just couldn't get my head around it. But the thing I, the thing I was really confused about was, what does the number five mean? what's the number five all about? And um, I don't know why, but I didn't really look into it for that much. And I, I prayed about it and I didn't really hear the answer. So I just thought, oh, I guess it's five years. Probably else it just must mean five years. So I kind of put that dream in my pocket and uh, it's not, I never forgot about it, but I kind of just thought, well, five years is a really long time. So um, that was, and that was early 2000, sometime in the early part of 2011. And then... Um, Fast forward to kind of, I think it's probably about November 2011. Um, we're in a completely different place. We were in Surrey, kind of London border at that time. We're now, suddenly, we're living in, in California. We're at Bethel Church. Our lives look completely different. And I'm not thinking about this dream at all. But one day, I'm sat there in the class, and Kate and I sat together. And Chris Volaton is talking about um, the prophetic... And dreams. And I, I, like I said, I was not thinking about that dream at all. It was not in my mind at all at this point. But he says, um, he starts talking through some of the symbolism of dreams. And then he he goes rattled through the numbers really quickly because, of course, you you know what these means. He's like, so obviously five means grace. And I was like, five means grace? (laughs) I just had this moment where I was like, you idiot, five means grace. And um, I was just laughing to myself. And obviously, I instantly thought about that dream. And I didn't know what to make of it. But it was like this thing lifted off my head suddenly because impossibility and limitation just suddenly lifted off my head. Um, like I said, I didn't know what that meant or anything like that, but that was all that happened. And then at the end of the class, Chris prayed for us all, um, and he said, I'm going to just pray for you all to have dreams from God tonight. And then we left, but I didn't really think about it anymore. We went home, had dinner, went to bed. And then in the middle of the night, I woke up. And it was really weird because at this point in my life, I had had dreams where it was a God dream where God had really spoke to me and these different things had happened, like the one that I just told you about. But this was the weirdest dream because firstly, it was about something I'd never thought about in my life and I actually thought was a bit weird. Um, And secondly, nothing happened in the dream. Literally nothing happened. And all I remember was I woke up and the dream had said something about gold dust. And I was like, I don't even know what that is and I think it's a bit weird. Secondly, nothing happened in my dream. And I was like... Really, really awake, and I'm actually quite annoyed. I'm just lying here, and I'm like, "God, what was that all about?" I'm totally awake now. Nothing happened. I felt like I've been shortchanged of Chris Valutton's prayer. I was like this anointed man's prayed for me to have a dream, and I got the rubbish end of the deal. And I actually had a little bit of a bad attitude. And then Holy Spirit just whispered to me, and, he, and I had no idea what this meant. But he said, "Your dream has unlocked her dream," and I was like, "This is weird." Then suddenly, and I'm not making any noise, suddenly Kate wakes up next to me and I see her writing something down on her phone and I'm like, okay, I have a weird suspicion that I know what's just happened. And I just said to her, did you just have a, a God dream? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I thought for a moment, I was like, was it about a manifestation? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, was it about gold dust? And she's like, Yeah. And it was so weird. We were just both lying there, just obviously thinking this is really weird. And if if at any other point in my life before that, if I'd said the words gold and dust in a sentence, she probably would have thought I was crazy. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) And um, so we're both just lying there, but we're both completely awake and not knowing what's going on. And um, I realized that, okay, I'm really thirsty, so I need to go out to get a drink of water. So I got up and then our bedroom was at the end of this kind of corridor, which then went open into this open plan, um, kind of kitchen lounge area and stuff. So I walked down there and the only way I can describe it is like when I walked into that lounge area, it was literally like the whole of heaven had descended into that lounge and they'd been having a party of some kind all night. And I'd... I'd accidentally gate-crashed it, and it I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. And the atmosphere was so thick and so intense, and I'd experienced God's presence in lots of profound ways, like before in church. Obviously, I was at Bethel. That's what happens there as well. Um, but I actually felt like I was going to die. Like, I actually felt like I was, I was actually terrified, and I actually felt like I was going to die. It was so intense. But I kind of like, I was there by the time I realized. So I kind of crept around and had the water. And I, I'm kind of, wa- I'm literally walking around. I mean, I'm joking about it now, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was totally holy and actually terrifying at the time. I went back to the, the, the bedroom and I told Kate about it. And after a while, we decided we needed to, we, didn't, we needed to go back out there. There was nothing else to, what else could you do? so we, we go back out there and we're sat on these chairs in the kitchen bit talking um, and um, we both feel it nobody needed to say anything to each other we both felt exactly what was going on it was literally like the only way I can describe it really is that it felt like God was physically there even though he's not I know he's spiritual he's not physical it felt like he was physically there and um Kate isn't somebody who shakes around or rolls all over the place in church or anything like that at all. There's nothing wrong with that, but she doesn't do that. But she was actually shaking physically, and it wasn't like shaking because she was just really excited by, by God. It was actually by fear. It was holy fear and trembling. And actually... She shook like that for about two weeks after that night happened as well. It just happened. She was constantly shaking for two weeks. And I, th- I remember I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, "It's a good job that happened there when we didn't have jobs, like working for the NHS." On the next month, that would have been really awkward. <laughs> um, but um, as we're sat there in this dark, dark kitchen, she starts to tell me about her dream. And in her dream, there's a bunch of us in this room, and there are these picture frames on the walls. And the picture frame, the pictures are of us, the people who are there. And um, there's people there from our kind of revival group at at Bethel, and there's us, and then there's Joel, who Levi, our youngest, wasn't born then, but she was actually Kate was actually pregnant with him at the time. But there's a picture of Joel there, and all these pictures start to shake, and they start shaking more and more and more, and they start shaking, and this gold dust just starts pouring out of them into the room and filling the room with this stuff, and. More of it was coming out of Joel's picture than than any of the others for some reason. And as she's telling me this story, something happens, something changes in the room. And the only thing I can describe it is that it was Jesus physically walking through our house, walking down the corridor towards us. And as he got nearer and nearer and nearer, the intensity of what we were feeling got more and more and more until I actually just didn't know how my body could physically take it. And it was terrifying. And I saw a glimpse of him as he passed by. And there was this trail of gold dust from behind him that was continually just pouring out behind him. And then after that moment had passed, we waited there for some time longer. And... Um, as we, after a while, we just felt like, okay, well, maybe we should go to bed now. But it, the room still felt absolutely electric with God's presence. But we just didn't really know what to do. And she was pregnant, and she needed to rest. So we, we decided to walk past. And as we kind of tippy-toed past Joel's door, he suddenly we suddenly heard him and We went out there, and he's completely awake. And um, that was the direction that Jesus had actually walked from when he'd walked down the down the hall. Um, And since then, I don't have time to go into all these stories, but extraordinary, extraordinary things have happened in his life um, since that day. Um, And it was definitely a marking for him, I would say. Um, And we went back to our room, and I was just lying there, and I was like, Lord, I would love for this to happen again. I would love for this to happen again. And I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me again, well, it's still going on out there so you can go back out there now. So I was like, oh, okay. So Cake went back to sleep, and I went out there. And it was the funniest thing, because as I was out there, time genuinely slipped. I mean, it literally, I, I would swear that I was sat there for like 20 minutes, but when I actually looked at my watch, I'd been there for about two and a half, three hours. And I was completely lost in the presence of God, literally lost in the presence of God. And for a long time, I said absolutely nothing. Because I felt too terrified to speak. But eventually, eventually, I just it just burst out of me. I was like, I don't care, Lord. I just want more. I want more of you. I want more. I want more. And every single part of me inside was telling me that I couldn't do that. Because I actually felt like I would die if I was going to do that. I felt the most alive I'd ever felt. But at the same time, I felt the closest to death I'd ever felt. Um, but I knew that in my Bible, it says that he has made a way. It says that he has made a way. Hebrews ten twenty. 20, there's a new and living way. A new and living way that he's opened up for us. So I knew at that moment that he'd made a way. And that continued for the next few nights. And the same experience happened. And it was a completely life-changing experience for us. And so many things that we have seen in our life since then, we could, I would trace back to that night in terms of the, the miracles that we see, but in terms of the way that we experience God for, um, since then. And the thing about encountering God is it's not, it's not a, an event. It's not, it's not a, a great story to tell people. It's an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to experience him in a new way and for that to become a new way of life. And for that to be something that you get to... You, haven't just, you don't just step into it and step out you step into it and you become a new person and that's your new reality. Um, I realized that sharing that kind of story, like, you know, I did say with some trepidation because I know that some people that sounds a bit weird, it sounds a bit out there and there's lots of things I haven't shared because, for that reason. But the thing I would say is if, if you're feeling unsure about that kind of thing, you're not sure whether you think it's real or you're not sure whether you want it, or you're not sure whether it's right, or all kinds of things, that's okay. I just want you to know that that is completely okay, because it's completely natural. And actually, not that long before that experience, I would have thought exactly the same thing. Um, But I guess I just want to ask you a few questions. The first thing is, on what are you basing your version of reality? What's your lens through which you look at the world? Because things like human Discoveries and reason and rationality and all those kind of things and science and logic and wisdom and all those things are wonderful things and they're wonderful gifts to humanity. But if they restrict the way that you're able to view life, then they've, they've got the wrong place in your life. If, they, if that becomes the lens through which you only allow things to filter through, then by definition that is flawed because by, vi- by virtue of what it is, you're placing your trust and your, your view of reality and eternity and all these kind of things through something that by virtue is always, of, by definition of what it is, is always changing what it believes. And it's always contradicting itself and proving itself wrong. You know, a quick Google search will show you that over history, there's been so many things that we said were clear scientific fact, and then a year later, we're like, oh no, that was wrong. That was crazy talk. It's actually this. And then five years later, oh no, 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 that's wrong. It was this. Now, I'm not saying that to belittle those things because they're amazing. They are amazing. And I celebrate all the progress in human endeavor that we do. But the point is this. If that becomes your limitation of how you view life, you're viewing life through something that is always proving itself wrong. Where's the wisdom in that? Second thing is, oh yeah, and on that, I was just going to say, we were never meant to... Base our view of reality through, based on just what we know. We're actually designed to experience reality in spite of what we know. That's how it's supposed to be. The other thing is that any relationship without real intimacy is a dysfunctional one. You know, And uh, like I said earlier, if you once you realize that Christianity is about a relationship, then actually there has to be these moments of intimacy central to it. And the last thing I was just going to say on that is that everybody has encounters. Actually, whether you like it or not, everybody has spiritual encounters. And I realized this in my own life, years before I became a Christian. I, um, when I was about 12, I um, went for a walk with my parents. We had two, they had two little dogs and we took them f- for a walk to this place in the woods that um, we'd never been to before. And that as soon as we got there, there was something about this place that I just—it just it just didn't feel right. It felt dark and I I don't and it just felt like there were people watching you but there was no one there and eventually we got into the woods and we saw this in the middle of the woods this kind of derelict little chapel that didn't have a roof on it anymore and um the with the two dogs that are normally chilled out started going absolutely berserk and they're growling and barking at people that you can't even see there there's nobody there and they're going absolutely ballistic and My mum's still looking at this and she she loves the good old ruins. So she was like, let's go, let's go see that lovely ruins. And um, so we walk over to it. And this feeling of people watching you, it just gets more and more intense. And then we get close to it and we realise this thing had devil worshipping thing all over it, hanging from all over it. And like I say, I was not a Christian. I didn't actually believe in spiritual things at that point in my life. But later on in my life once I started to discover what Christianity really was, I remembered things like that. And I was like, that was real. I didn't want that to be real. In fact, at that point in my life, I would have loved it if there were just physical things and that was all that there was. But I knew that I'd encountered something real. And the thing is, God is inviting us to have an encounter with love. God's inviting us to have an encounter with light. But there are encounters with darkness and there are encounters with fear available, but it's much better if we choose his way, trust me. Um, in a minute I'm just going to pray for some people I don't know if the band are able to come up at all I just want to say two final things about encounters that, that I've learned one of them is if you want to experience God in your life in a more powerful in a more dramatic and in a more real way like I prayed that time You've got to expect to respond when it's inconvenient for you. You've got to embrace the inconvenience. I, I, I just realized that, you know, and it, it comes back to what, I said, what he said to me about, I'll be as real to you as you are to me. You know, it's one thing to be praying in a meeting or in your bedroom that you really want more of God. But then the minute you leave that room and your mind's in a completely different place. And actually, we need to be available to him all the time. And I've, I've really learned that a big way of stewarding God's presence is to embrace the inconvenience and be available for it at any time. And the other thing is about stewarding this well. See, there's a responsibility that comes with encounters. And I think the moment we get flippant, it can stop. Trans- Moses was transformed every time he, exper- he encountered God. He was changed. And the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. And I think a part of what that is, is that we experience God. And as we experience him, we behold and experience his glory and as we're doing that, our eyes are opened so that we're able to see another level, another realm of his glory that is available. That invites us to go over to here and step into that glory and we're changed into a completely different person and as we're changed, our eyes are opened to see another level of his glory that is available and we step into that. We're supposed to take possession of this and it's supposed to become who we are. They're not great stories, they're not just great things to tell you and that, I didn't tell you this today because I just wanted to tell you a great story that happened in my life. It's in invitation for something that you can become it's an invitation for something that you can receive in your life right now in jesus name so i would love it if everybody could close their eyes right now and uh, i want to pray for two for a few different people here Uh, he's just inviting you in today he's just inviting you in to encounter him he's inviting you in to receive his love today he just want to pour he's pouring it out right now he's pouring it out on you right now I just see he's just pouring it out all over the room right now some of you in this room what I've shared about today is nothing that you've ever heard or you've experienced in your life before maybe maybe you don't even know why you came here today and maybe it goes what well, maybe you do have a, some kind of a relationship with god but this what i described today just seems weird and out there but in spite of the fact that it goes against everything that you believe your heart something is tugging at your heart right now something has been tugging at your heart today something has been tugging at your heart today and if you don't let it go if you don't respond to that then you just you will never know you will never know And what's the worst that could happen? And if you want to experience God in a really tangible, real way in your life, if you want to meet with him in that way, whether you consider you a Christian or not, but you just want it to be real like that, you want want a real relationship with him, if that's you, with every eye closed still, would you raise your hand, please? And while everyone's eyes are still closed, I want to just pray for another group of people. And this could be literally anyone in the room, but you've experienced, God, maybe things have become a little bit distant between you and him. It's nothing that you did deliberately, but somehow it just maybe it just slipped a bit and you you didn't realize and you want that closeness back. You want to go deeper with him. You want to go deeper with him. And he's been tugging at your heart today as well. You just really want to go deeper with Him. You want more of Him. You want the real deal, because otherwise, what really? What's the point? If that's you, could you raise your hand as well? So, f- first off, with every eye still closed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us all in a prayer that we can all repeat after me, and join in together. And then I'm gonna pray for us all as well. So just, re- let's all just repeat after me, Father. I want to know you I want to really know you and I want you to really know me Lord I let you in I let you in today I want to be a Christian the way that (laughs) Jesus was a Christian I want to know you the way he knew you when he walked the earth Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me now. Change me into a new person. In Jesus' name. And now I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord God. I just release your presence over everyone in this room today, Lord. I release encounters, Lord. I release dreams. I release your love, Lord. I just release a baptism of your love over everyone in this room today, Father God. Whether they're experiencing you all the time, day or night, but Lord, that whoever they are, or whether it's completely new to them, Lord, that they will encounter you in a powerful way, Lord. They will encounter you in a powerful way that you will come for them, Lord. You will come in the night, you will come in the day, and you will pour out your love on them, Lord, that you are pursuing them, and that they will just, the guards will come down, Lord. I just see the, the walls being broken broken down, Lord, and you are pursuing them, and you are inviting them, Lord, and that you, as the song said earlier, you are going to walk in the room for them, Lord. You are going to walk in the room. They they will realize, actually, that you've been there the whole time. Uh, Lord, actually, we just needed to turn up. We just needed to let you in. Father, I release dreams and visitations tonight in Jesus' name, and every person who's responded to, to that just now Father God I just ask Holy Spirit for a sealing of you over their life for a sealing of you over their life that they will be marked and they will never be the same again Father I ask in Jesus name that they will never be the same again Lord they will never be the same again they will be changed forever forever that they will be marked with favour and power and passion for you Lord and that all the provision that they need in their life will be there bless them Lord